Hi guys, Nate here from CageCast. Just want to let you know that we started this podcast a long time ago with like cage love in our hearts, but not a lot of technical knowledge. Some of the audio and the editing might be a little rough in these first few episodes. So please enjoy them for what they are. And know that we get better with age. Like a fine cheese. Or wine. That is all. Thanks for your support. Bye. Enjoy your ride. Oh, bitchin', is this in 3D? No, but your face is. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage. Hello and welcome to the first episode of CageCast, the podcast that joyfully dissects the filmography of one of America's most unique and engaging leading men, Nicolas Cage. I'm Nate Porter and with me is Britt Porter. Hello. Okay. Hello. Since this is our inaugural episode, let's lay down the framework of how CageCast works. Starting this week and on into the distant future, we will be watching every Nicolas Cage film in order according to the film's official release date. Okay, this is the first episode. Let's lay down the obvious question. What are we designating as an official Nick Cage movie? What's Cage cast worthy? Good question. Thank you. We will be reviewing every film in which Nicolas Cage had either a starring role or an integral supporting role. Okay, so Moonstruck, not the star, that's obviously the wonderful share, but since Cage was in a supporting role, it's pretty essential to the plot and the narrative, we're going to include that. What about films like Fast Times at Ridgemont High or Rumblefish? Perfect examples. Both were great movies. Uh, Nicolas Cage, who was then Nicolas Coppola, was in them for sure, but his role wasn't large enough to really be integral to the movie, and so we're not including them. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Uh, what about animated films where he contributes voice work, like uh, Astro Boy? I know that's your favorite. Your second favorite is Ant Bully. <laughs> no, we will not oh. be reviewing those um, modern-day classics. Okay. Uh, live action only. Maybe someday we'll do a supplemental episode covering Minor Cage, but for now sure. we're sticking to the main releases. Okay, got it. So we watch the movie, and then what? Okay, well, the basic idea is that we will discuss the film, and then afterward rate it from a zero to four star range in three categories. The film as entertainment, the film as art, and then in terms of Cage's actual performance. Uh, we're doing this because Nick Cage has had some interesting choices in his career. Not every film is a Leaving Las Vegas or adaptation on the artistic side. Not every film is The Rock or Moonstruck on the entertainment scale. And as far as acting goes, uh, I guess that's the point of this podcast. It's to answer the question, is Nick Cage a great actor? Now, from what I've seen, he's almost always uh, interesting, but is he great? I, uh, for one, am very excited to see how he started off as a, as a teen heartthrob and he became the biggest actor in all of Hollywood and now 
uh, you know, we're at the point where, let's be honest, for a lot of people, he's kind of a joke. Yeah, that question, is Nick Cage a great actor, is kind of the genesis of this podcast, isn't it? Um, we were camping a few months back, and uh, some people at the next campsite over started a movie on their laptop. It was bugging me, you know, when you, you see a movie, but you don't know what it is, but you know you kind of know what it is. It was killing me what this movie was, and so I started, I pulled out my iPhone, I started Googling um, lines that I could hear from the movie to try to, to find out what it was, and it ended up being um, Trapped in Paradise with Nick Cage and John Lovitz, I think. Never seen it, seemed pretty horrible to me, but it got Britt and I talking about Nicolas Cage, and... Uh, whether he was a good actor or not. We definitely both had, had movies that, that we like of his and movies that we don't like. But um, we spent the next, I don't know, 45 minutes talking about Nick Cage and and his movies. And basically, kind of at the end of that conversation, said something like, if there was a podcast and all they did was talk about the movies of Nicolas Cage, I would listen to that. Yes. The famous words. I believe those were the famous words. And that's the genesis of what you're listening to today. Our attempts to answer that question. Is he he a good actor? I think around the campsite it ended in a draw, but we are not satisfied with a draw. We want to find out what we think and what you listeners think as well. So hopefully you'll chime in on this this cinematic journey we're about to to take here. What... um What's your experience with Nicolas Cage? Well, I have to say that I probably fall into the category of your average moviegoer and that I tend to like the not-so-good ones. What do you Um, mean, not-so-good? Oh, I'm a fan of Gone in 60 Seconds quite a bit. That that was an excellent Cage film, in my opinion. And I enjoy action-adventure type stuff, which we know he's been doing a lot of in the last few years. I won't name any names. We'll get to those films down the line. Yeah. But uh, I would say that on the, on the Nicolas Cage scale, I'm going to fall more entertainment and less artsy. We'll, we'll put it that sure. way. Sure. Okay. Well, and I am I'm a little bit more... Um, I, I love the man a little bit more than that. I, I feel like, right or wrong, he gives it his all in all, <laughs> all of his uh, roles. And I personally am just a movie lover. I would like to say movie buff, but I just don't have time in my life and my job to watch as many movies as I'd like to. But basically, I supplement with listening to podcasts. I love movie podcasts. You name it, it's on my iPod, and I am listening to it all the time. And basically, this podcast is an excuse for me to contribute to the podcasting community to delve into the work of one actor and really familiarize myself with that and have an opinion about something that's my own based on some real experience. And so that's what we're doing here with CageCast. I'm really excited about it. I had no idea he had like 50 movies um, that we're going to be going through over the next year or so, but uh, we're glad you're along for the journey and... um, Coming up, our review of Nicolas Cage's first starring role, the 1983 classic, (laughs) Valley Girl. Uh, But first, the Plimsolls with a song off the Valley Girl soundtrack called A Million Miles Away.
Okay, we are back. Valley Girl. Uh, let's see. A few stats about this movie. Came out April 29th, 1983. Had a budget of only $350,000. Ended up making over $17 million. So I would say that was a huge hit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. In, in today's dollars, um, that would still be a budget of under 800000 and a box office take-home of around $40 million. So, so you can't argue with that. They did well. No. Um, notable co-stars. There's not much here. Deborah Foreman played Julie, and... You know, to be honest, I looked at her IMDb. I never recognized her from anything else, and there wasn't much there. The only other guy that I really liked uh, was Frederick Forrest. The dad. Yes, yes, he plays Julie's dad in Valley Girl. And this guy has been in Apocalypse Now, The Conversation, Falling Down. He's just a really great character, actor, and does a great job in this movie we can talk about okay. a little later. Director was Martha Coolidge. This was her first big movie. Let's see, her other big credit is Real Genius, but she also went on to direct a, a few little films, Lost in Yonkers <laughs> with Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Out to Sea with uh, Matthau and Jack Lemmon, so there are a couple of, you know, genuine legends. The Prince and Me, which sounds like is right up your alley, Britt, with Julia Stiles, and uh, Material Girls with the Duff Sisters, Hillary and Haley Duff. So not not a lot there, but, you know... Valley Girls, definitely a good start. Yeah, and then the only other piece of information we want to include is the cage genre. So we have noticed, as I'm sure many of you have, that cage does like to go through a couple of different genres in his acting. So we're gonna we're gonna type this particular film as the romantic comedy cage slash lovably dopey cage. Right. So let's review the plot very quickly and get into this review. Julie is a girl from the Valley who is dating Tommy, one of the most popular boys in school. But apparently, due to extreme boredom in the relationship, she breaks up with him at the mall. Later, all of her friends take a trip to the beach where she exchanges glances with a good-looking stranger. The stranger's name is Randy, who along with his best friend Fred, crash a party that evening where they know the girls will be. As Randy and Julie start to hit it off downstairs, Tommy discovers them and punches Randy in the face and throws him out of the party. Fred and Randy drive away, but they don't get far. Randy hits the brakes and has a moment of cage rage, <laughs> and they quickly return to the house and find Julie. Uh, Randy climbs through the bathroom window and hides in the shower, waiting for Julie to come in. After a while, she does, and Randy convinces her to leave the party with them. They leave together with Fred and uh, Julie's friend Stacy, who got dragged along for moral support. They visit a New Wave nightclub, they kiss, they fall desperately in love, all while poor Fred's advances are rebuffed by Stacy. Oh, poor Fred. Uh, romance ensues over the next week. Julie's friends are horrified that the perfect valley girl is dating a punk from the valley, but Julie doesn't care at all. Until she suddenly does, uh, Julie's father advises her uh, that what really counts is what's on the inside, and she seems to understand that, but ultimately, to be popular again, Julie gets back with Tommy, um, Tommy promptly eats her hamburger, and later on that evening, Julie tearfully breaks up with Randy. Randy goes into another cage rage, gets drunk, <laughs> makes out with an ex-girlfriend, picks a fight with a Mexican gang, and ends up puking in an alley. 
Fred finds him and tells him to fight for love. Right. Uh, Randy uh, tries to get Julie interested in him again by accidentally running into her at various locations all around the city, but ultimately decides to confront her and Tommy at the junior prom. While Tommy and Julie are waiting to be crowned king and queen, Randy confronts Tommy and beats him up as the curtains part and the school looks on. Randy and Julie run through the crowd to a limo that Tommy had rented and drive into the night toward a hotel and their happy ending. Aww. Aww. That's, uh, that's the movie in a nutshell. Let's get into this. We start the movie at a mall. What did you, what did you think? Um, I have to say that, that, you know, the director, I think, did a pretty good job encapsulating this very um, stereotypical but also very real picture of suburban Southern California life, I would say. A lot of scenes at the mall, a lot of shopping bags. A lot of pink. A lot of pink. And, you know, looking back at this film, now that it's been almost 30 years, you see that it's really one of those early teenage movies that sets the stage for, I think, a lot of the movies that um, some of our listeners have been more familiar with over the last 10 or 15 years. A lot of the Brat Pack movies, probably. A lot of the Brat Pack movies from the 80s, but I think, too, you see a lot of the same kinds of shots in some of today's teeny bopper flicks. Certainly from the flicks of the the mid to late 90s and, and into the first part of the millennium. Well, and it's a good it's a good place to say this is obviously uh, loosely and I'll I'll say very loosely based on Romeo and Juliet. And so how how um formulaic, I guess it wasn't a formula back then, but you know, a lot of teen comedies have have borrowed those tropes. So, let's talk about Nicolas Cage's first appearance in the film. It's not as you would think at the mall. We don't see Mr. Cage for about the first 10 to 15 minutes, I would say. And when we do see him, he is running on the beach, shirtless. Yes, his Baywatch moment. Yes, he has a Baywatch moment for sure, (laughs) running up on the beach in his little gray swim shorts. Yes, I thought thought this was a fitting entrance by our hero, both for uh, this movie and the podcast. Now, what's interesting to me, sorry, is that he is... I don't know if this was his choice of the directors or who, but he shaved a V in his chest hair. <laughs> yes. Looks like a flying seagull. Yes, it does. It looks like a seagull taking off towards the sun made of little wiry black hair. Right. So right it's sticking. It sticks out when he's wearing a shirt, but when his shirt's off, it's simply uh, a flying V. I don't know how, how else to describe it. Yeah, that, that was an artistic choice. That was an interesting well, one. Well, I think uh, I think Cage, Cage, he's known. <laughs> Nick Cage is known to make uh, interesting artistic choices. So, uh, what did you what did you think, Britt? As a woman, was uh, was this guy attractive? Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. A young a young buff. He was buff. Nick Cage is is pretty easy on the eyes. That hair hairy V might throw you a little bit, but uh, uh, I, overall, I'd say he was he was a good looking. Okay. He's a good looking youngster. I, I would say that too. You know, I uh, I I was a little taken aback. He he was looking he was looking good. I'm just gonna say it. I think he was 18 when they shot this movie, and uh, you know, I don't swing that way at all. But you know, you could do worse. Um, so basically. Randy and Julie exchange a few fleeting glances, and Randy and Fred figure out where Julie's 
party is going to be at a friend's house or whatever. And so they decide they're going to crash this party. Yes. And I have to say a couple of things about this for the first, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. The, the first thing is you really don't know the age of the kids in the movie for quite some time. No, you don't and, know and, it because they all look 30 years they, old. They do. They all look 30. And then when they go to the party, there's a scene with, with Julie's parents as she's leaving her house. And then there, there's another scene later with another set of parents. All the parents look 30 well <laughs> so it's so, hard to know it's true and it's hard to know are these high school kids that we're dealing with we don't find out and they don't say they, they don't, don't say, say if they're in high school they don't no. say if they're you know working in college um we just see them charging clothes at the mall and hanging out at the beach yeah and they're yeah. all 30 so maybe they're just uh maybe they're you know not in high school we don't yeah. know we you don't find out till much much later that they are in fact teenagers not only in high school but in early high school they're 15 or 16 Yes. yes, maybe maybe seventeen in some cases, but yeah, they're they're smack in the middle of those high school years. But you don't know that going in, and it's very confusing to kind of know when Nick Nicholas Cage or when Randy and and Fred get to the party. Are we going to a college party? Are we? Because parents are there. Parents are there, and they're serving peanut butter sushi, which is also confusing. Yes, very confusing. They're um, they're smearing little sushi rolls with peanut butter, and and I don't know about you listeners, but that's not sushi that I've ever had before. So that that's one confusing thing for sure. I have to say the other thing too is this movie did not grab me for a long time. I was thinking as we sat down, we see a lot of the mall. We well, you see were a lot just thinking, pink. you were saying. Yes. I, I was not thrilled to be watching this. It, there, it, it's a slow warm up for those of you who are new to Valley Girl. You got to plug on through the first... Right. Well, it's 20 just dated. minutes at least. It's just dated. It's it's 80s and it's silly and you, you're laughing and it's obviously low budget and you're just kind of what did I get myself into? Yes, really. I would say what what really starts to sort of make the movie is the performance of our fearless leader Nicholas yes, Cage. Yes, Cage. So this party is crazy. I thought I was watching a scene out of Hot Tub Time Machine. It was so 80s. Oh yes. Um, with the dancing and the. Brad, oh Brad, who by the way is very bitchin', I'm told, uh, was wearing a ski jacket inside, coat of many colors ski jacket, and everyone's dancing to the music that that little snafu wasn't really playing in the background. Just looks like a bunch of people, I don't know. Bouncing. Bouncing, <laughs> bouncing in this house. There's really no no cohesive party feel to it whatsoever. Right, but so. I, I will agree with Nate, a lot of, lot of 80s, true 80s fashion going on, a lot of popped collars. Uh, a lot pop of pop collar collars. central. Yes. I thought of a few things to get into this party. A popped collar. You need you one had, of those. Had to have um, booze in a brown paper bag. Yes. Yes. Um, apparently, if you're a woman, you can't be wearing a bra. No, no. We only saw one bra, I believe, in the whole film, and several pairs of uh, of the boobies. Well, several I'm... pairs of braless <laughs> boobies in this movie, but. But and this was this was genuine research for me for the for the podcast and so sure, I, you know, I took one sure. for the team. Sure, um, sure. But in in a few interviews I heard with Martha Coolidge, actually this movie didn't intend to be anything more than um, a simple movie called Valley Girl that showed uh, boobs four times I believe was her contractual obligation and she got it in and and she asked the studio just let me do it however I want to do it they said hey we don't care and so she actually kind of I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend it too much but she actually kind of made it um interesting at least yes yes there was 
there was a reason, if you could call it that, for, for boobs. But um, you certainly couldn't wear a bra. There's always a reason, but moving on. Um, so Randy and his buddy Fred show up at this party, and they are what is supposedly punk looking or, or different or new looking. Wave, or, maybe? But they are uh, they're pointed at as these different troublemakers, and they're wearing uh, dockers. Pressed. You can, you can with see the crease. you can see the crease in in uh, Randy's press dockers. Their shirts were tucked in, and they were wearing I think bright red shirts and black vests, which apparently I, I think they were shunned because they they clashed with the pastels at the party. Yes, yes. It, it definitely has sort of tries to play up this this very loose interpretation of Romeo and Juliet with the very obvious differences in clothing and these guys are from Hollywood and they're at a party in the valley and they don't fit in and it's very apparent. Um, but I think what we found so amusing is that while this was sort of maybe the height of new wave uh, fashion at the time, now going back and looking at it several years later is really just some nice looking gentlemen who yes. whose collars don't aren't popped. Yes. That's that's about it. Can we sell you some Tupperware, perhaps? Right. Uh, right. They had some beads maybe. Anyway. Yes. It, Fred Fred had some beads and maybe even I want to say a bandana. Right. Did not seem edgy to to me. No. So Tommy, which I, I want to talk a little bit about Tommy, Julie's boyfriend. She had just broken up with him at the mall and Tommy, Britt and I have decided, is the spitting image of Will Forte from yes. SNL. Yes. He comes into McGruber. the scene. He comes into the scene, uh, into the film, early on at the mall. We popped see him collar. there. Of course, he's got a popped popped collar again. And then we see him extensively in the at the party. And I cannot yes. get over it. I will it. put this up on the site. I will put up a photo analysis, com- compare and contrast yes, of Will he, Forte and uh, and Tommy. He he uh, looks like Will Forte. Played by Michael Bowen, by the and, way. Um, that's important. And uh, it, it made for some interesting viewing, I think, for yes, us. Yes, I, I think so, too. I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking that, that we were watching a young MacGruber. I also action. looked this up, Britt. He actually was 30 when they, when they shot this. So it's not me being crazy. Uh, he was a 30-year-old man, and Nicolas Cage was 18. So, um, so it's not, uh, not completely in my mind. This is kind of the crux of the movie at this party. Tommy comes down. He sees that Julie, even though she's broken up with him, uh, she's flirting with this 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 ne'er do well, this guy who's obviously no good. He's jealous. He basically punches Randy out, and then they get thrown out of the house. And they tear off, and Nick Cage is upset and screaming, screaming the driveway, and you know and, everything you'd expect. Yes, and I think that that this is a good time to define um, what we're going to call moments of of cage rage of cage yes. rage. So this is the first. Of I think two cage rage moments in the film. Oh, probably two. Yeah. Probably two. Hey, what the hell? Hey, dickhead! What are you trying to do? Get us killed? Ah! Who the fuck was that guy, huh? And I was doing all right with that chick. Who the fuck does he think he is? Well, maybe it's your boyfriend. Now, nobody is gonna tell me who I can score with. I want this chick. She wants me. So fuck it. We're going back. Hey! Mama, shit if she knows you're driving this car. And really, as many of you Cage fans are aware, Nicolas Cage has a very unique um, ability ability to become instantly um, enraged in in an absolute 
passion. Yes. Yes. Absolutely over the top. He's not just angry and he's not just really angry. He is out of his mind. Yes, exactly. Crazy angry. And this is this is minor cage rage. This isn't this isn't all out, but no, you this know, is he's, the, a, he's, this a young, is he's a young guy. At this, this is at the this beginning. Point. He hasn't he hasn't had time to hone this part of his craft. Right. We'll, we'll say that. So, but but you definitely see he's in the, some erratic yeah. Uh, cage rage behavior right as they get kicked out of the party and then later when he decides to stop the car and turn around and go back to the party whoa, for Julie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. There's there's That's there's a good impression. A, a good round of of what we what we're all gonna see later on in his career um, as some real bona fide cage rage. Right. So so, so basically they leave uh, Randy stops the car, turns around, and he says, oh, I've got any right to be with that girl as anybody else. And they turn around, and they go back to the party. He climbs in the window and gets in the bathroom shower. Okay, so I was not committed to this film, did not, was not enjoying myself until Nicolas Cage climbs in that shower. Until Nick Cage in the shower? Until Nick Cage in the shower. All right. So I don't know what that says. But essentially, he gets in the shower, and this is a little bit strange that that this is the line that the story takes. He gets in the shower and hides out, waiting for Julie to go to the bathroom. I, I must be. Powder her nose. Powder her nose. Maybe New lines he, of cocaine. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. He's, it's the he's, 80s. He's waiting for her to go in there, and, and this is his his plan. His plan, yeah, is to go and wait in the bathroom, <laughs> and st- essentially stalk her while she's, you know, in there. So, so and, and, some people come in, and there's the obligatory um, people trying to make out, and and we see some boobs there. Oh, of course, we get a boob um, shot in there's, there. There's uh, smoking dope, and there's. Uh, talking, a couple girls talking about giving hand jobs. It's just like shaking hands, you know. With your best friend. But really fast. That's <laughs> what I'm, I'm, I'm this quoting. Is, this people. is what we're uh, being told. Right, this exactly. Is, this is what we're being told. Uh, this yeah. movie was rated R, which we found out. Um, and I have to say, here's the reason why this obscure, sort of demented bathroom scene is, is what turned the corner for me with the movie. Nicolas Cage's performance in the shower where he has no lines and is just looking over the shower door waiting for, you know, Julie to come in is priceless. And making faces, making grimaces. Oh, yeah. Pretending to shoot a gun. Oh, he is. <laughs> he is great. He is. Creativity here yeah. seems to know no bounds. It's the he first, is pri- it is it's priceless. The first uh, glimpse, I would say, of, of just fun, inventive off the wall, Nicolas Cage that yes. I love now. Yes, yes. But, uh, you up can, until you this can point, see it. His, you can see glimpses of it. Up until this point, his um, his lines have been pretty canned. His screen time has been pretty limited. But this is really his his time to shine. Is here in the bathroom. Right. So she finally comes in, and right. thankfully, she doesn't do anything more than apply lipstick because that would have been awkward. He um, talks to her, and this really, actually, very touching scene of "Let's get out of here. Where do you want to go? I don't care. What do you want to do? Anything." He's just like, "I'm not like these people. Let's get out of here. Let's go enjoy ourselves." Yes, and I'd say for both for both Randy and Julie, this scene is one of those just really fantastic scenes in the movie where they're just having a a conversation but there is so much going on but there's so much chemistry between them 
it's just it's absolutely engaging you just want to sit and listen to them talk about about nothing for an hour they are doing these two actors Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman do such an incredible job portraying just the excitement of of being attracted to basically the unknown you know, not really knowing what you're getting into, a little bit scary, but it's a lot of fun. And just there's a lot of really great sexual tension that uh, draws you in as a viewer. And uh, Nick even gives her a little kiss. Randy even gives her a little kiss. He does. Yeah. He does. Um, so so they leave the party. Julie drags her friend Stacy along um, against Stacy's wishes. And they get in uh, Randy's car and they just drive through what 1980s uh, Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. There's and, a lot and of um, you get a lot of glimpses of, of stereotypical uh, stereotypical stuff. Um, you can tell that Randy is like high on life that he's got this good looking chick in his car and he's yelling out to all his friends in the street and it's pretty funny. And guys um, do that. That's what we do. We want to show off. Yes. To the girl and to our friends. So yes. so that kind of that moment kind of rang true for me as well. He's he is. A teenage boy here for sure. Yeah, for they, sure. They end up. They go to Randy's hangout. They just walk right in, and here's a club that is clearly a dive bar, and there's a band playing, and it's rowdy, and the bouncer knows them and says, "Yeah, come on in. Here's your table, guys." Don't bring your guns. Don't bring your drugs. Let me but, pat, let uh, me pat we, you down. But, but have have some booze. Right. It have was uh, a different time back then. I'm sure. I guess so. I guess it was. Um, so, but no, that, so I, I I liked that club. Um, for one, one of the things for me that I really enjoyed was the music. I, I had to Google it, but the band actually playing was the Plimsolls. It was an actual band that they had hired to you know be a part of this movie, and uh, they sounded great. Yeah, they really I, did. I never, I never heard them before. It, it was great. It, we had both really enjoyed it. But what I enjoyed even more is, again, you have another great, intense scene with Julie and Randy that is just a conversation, and it's, it's the way that they're able to really encapsulate this exciting, dangerous embodiment of young, crazy love. Yeah, and I think the 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 line was, um, Randy says something like, "When can I see you again?" And then Julie says, I'm here with you now. And it's just... It's, there's something true about that. Yeah. I don't want to get too cheesy, but there's just something... I think we've all been there. Yes. You we've can all def- been in you, a moment that we just never went to end. Yes. You can definitely tell, you know, this is the, this is when... And, and I, I hesitate to call it a relationship at this point, but this is when things, the relationship really are starting to, to come to a head where the the eye chemistry is is intensifying and and when she says that i think she's basically agreeing yeah let's let's do this and it's it's fun it's fun to get sucked into that and and they're both just these crazy kids that infatuated with one another when and you're infatuated with them you you want to be in there with it all too and and it's funny because you do have you know stacy the poor valley girl friend that wants nothing to do with this whole scene just you know yes this is one of these things of the 80s where the unwanted sexual advances are very very funny yes (laughs) yes she's she's sort of getting chased around this whole time by fred and they go up to this sort of lookout makeout spot and inside the car randy and julie are just hot and heavy hot and heavy going to town and outside the car fred is essentially chasing her chasing her chasing her around the car and then kisses her he does they do kiss i'm over here my little pickle and uh (laughs) and she's she's yeah but that doesn't last long no 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 nothing really happens there for them Um, um so basically uh everyone goes home 
and Julie, Julie and Randy's romance blossoms over the next what I would figure is a week. Do we get a montage? We do okay. get a montage. Right. We do. Montage. And and before we get the montage, we have a couple of things happen. The first is that Julie goes sort of back to her reality. Well, no, first she comes home and her parents have been have been up all night. That's right. And while they're they're these sixties uh, free love hippie types, they're still concerned that she's been out all night and and. We know your body's changing. Yes. We know that boys are more important now. Yes. Lots of great dialogue between mom, dad, and Julie. Mom, who is the same age as daughter, by the way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to hard to imagine that this is her mom, but but a great scene with the parents where they're just really living up to their characters. They're their really hippie essence. Yes. They're yes. really getting into it, and and I think one of my favorite quotes between Julie and her dad is they're in a you know. A semi-heated exchange about her staying out all night and what she's been up to with this boy. And Julie says to her dad, this isn't the age of Aquarius, you know. And her dad says, I would that it were. <laughs> just just great stuff. You can't, you can't uh, get better than that. You know, and I think I, I skipped over a, another essential scene. Um, a throwaway scene uh, with Julie uh, in the driver's ed car. Well, that's right. the next day at school. Right. Next, next day, day at school, school and driver's she's, ed. She's relating to all her, her friends why she left the party and where they went. Right, So exactly. they're, she's spilling the and beans. And they're, they're that, horrified that it's this guy from the from Hollywood. Yes. And, uh, and But this is where the line of the movie gets dropped. Oh, yes. She describes Randy as... Trippendicular. As trippendicular. And that, I mean... It doesn't get much better. I thought tubular or uh, radical was kind of the end-all, be-all. No, trippendicular is the word of this movie. Yes. Try to use that in a sentence today, folks, if you can. Brit, that uh, blouse is trippendicular. That was really trippendicular of you to say. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, so, um, I couldn't keep going. So, just moving doing. things right along. So, so, Randy finds Julie at her parents' health foods store where she has to work which i thought was also interesting it really wasn't a store it was a restaurant and it was kind of a it was like, a, it was like a diner it was it was like a diner and they would With serve sprouts bowls of sprouts correct yeah i was confused oh and um that's the other thing health food just gets maligned in this movie it was just it's stinky and it's gross and it's why couldn't my parents own a pizza hut julie is downing fast food the entire movie plates of fries hamburgers that's all she does. Yes. But I Lots think they were, food. I think the producers were a little bit more right on with all this uh, health food stuff than, uh, than uh, the, maybe they even knew. That it was good for you? Right. Like. Bowls of sprouts? You know. Yeah. You know, just because you eat a bowl of sprouts every day for I, breakfast I, doesn't mean. I had a beet salad uh, for dinner. Thank you. Then we get the montage. Then we get the montage. Okay, thank you. So the montage of their whirlwind romance. Mm-hmm. It's for one, and you don't get this very often anymore. It's almost a full song. Was it "I Melt with You"? It was "I yeah. Melt with You" by Modern English. It was a, It was that, in fact. So essentially, what we're to get out of the montage is that Randy and Julie fall helplessly in love over a series of fast food diner meals. Yeah, basically. It, it, hard to know if it's a montage of their relationship or the places they've eaten. The places they've eaten or drove by. Yes. It might have been either. Yes. There's a lot of signs of restaurants from a car driving by. Yes. yes. They do a lot of driving and they do a lot of eating. And I'd like to note as well, all of the making out sessions that we see, especially with Nicolas Cage, I don't know if we see one where his hands aren't on her face. 
his hands are as big as her head. His hands are enormous. It's it's a little frightening. It's like it's like a pair of symbols on either side of her face, yes. just or a clamshell. You can barely bigger see, than Princess Leia's hair bun. You can barely see her face through his hands, and I have to say. By the end of the movie, I wouldn't be upset if his hands were on my face. Hey, 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 hey. Well, you know, I guess we all have our thing. You know, another thing about kissing in this movie, always kind of awkward, passionate, but awkward and face smashy. Like, <laughs> this, you, you know, I'm, I do. I'm, I'm building yes. a mental picture here. Yes. But basically take a face and take a face and smash them together yes. with hands on hers. Yes. And that's every kiss in the movie. Yes. Yeah. I know it, There's it's a lot out of, of a place of, of passion. It uh, has to be a lot of bruised noses going right. on on set. <laughs> Probably. Ha- a lot of makeup. A, a lot of hand, hand marks on the face. Yes. That was my favorite note. Face smashy uh, kissing. Yes. A so. lot of face smashy kissing. So we're given to understand understand that, that there's a lot of uh, a lot of intensity for that week week it's got to only be a week uh, and i feel like this is this is one of the flaws of the movie for me all of a sudden she's debating whether or not to dump randy i didn't feel like they had really set up that there was a lot of pressure at this point for her to do that yeah the only time we really see there being some some issue there's a slumber party scene. So she does... Oh, yes, I remember it well. I'm sure you do. So there is... She, she goes to her friend's house. They have a slumber party. It's the it's the girls. And they're kind of, you know, they're kind of giving her a hard time. For, but it's nothing out of the ordinary. No. It's nothing pointed. I would say Julie's major character flaw is she doesn't seem to be a very confident, decisive person, which, you know, you could argue is a good indication of a good actress because she is, after all a teenage girl an, an easily influenced teenage girl sure. who values her friendships and values her friends and and i'd say to a certain extent probably values her life in the valley and the way she's got it I think but you're right. she, yeah there's you know they give her a hard time while they're eating chips and trying on her friend's mother's lingerie as i'm sure we've all done you know in the mirror and i think she's trying to put up a show that she doesn't really care what they think and doesn't really care about tommy and what he thinks and but you can definitely see a, a few moments where she's wondering but i would agree with nate that that's about it there there's not a lot of constant pressure on her right to not see this guy so for me it kind of it kind of came out of nowhere and especially right after the the montage scene with really no instigating event to get her there maybe some some playful ribbing then that was really about it it did lead to it to a great scene where she sat down and talked to her dad oh uh, yes i loved her dad in this movie um that was um frederick forrest playing playing her dad and he was the aging hippie and he was age appropriate and uh they just had a great talk are these you yep that's me <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? She's a friend of mine. Before I met your mother. Anyway, you see, not everyone looked or dressed like that back then. As a matter of fact, lots of people didn't look like that. Man, I can believe that. I don't think Randy's ever looked this bad. Yeah, well, the point is, what difference does it all make? The way you look, the kinds of clothes you wear on your body. It's what you are that counts. What's inside you. What you stand for. Not what other people want to make you. You see, honey, there are lots of people out there who just ain't happy unless you live and think the same way they do. And if you don't, you dig what I'm saying? And I just thought he was a great screen dad. It reminded me of um, 
J.K. Simmons in Juno or Eugene Levy in the American Pie series. Just one of those cool, understanding, not completely unawkward, but loving fathers. Frederick Forrest was was a, a revelation for me in this movie. I, I know he's been in other things. But. I would say so too. I would say you know. I, his performance might have had might have been scene stealing you know he's not in mm-hmm. much not in much of the film but he really packs a punch when he's the scenes that he's got julie decides after this this conversation with her dad she's going to cave to the peer pressure and get back with tommy, with tommy. and it's really clearly she does it because it's what her friends want and one thing i, I we didn't point out earlier about tommy he is he is um a little bit of a sleaze. I think they're tr- the director. They set that up. They set it up. He's trying to. He's he's not he's not this uh, blue collar all American guy. In the party scene at the very beginning of the movie, right after he gets dumped in the mall, he then tries to sleep with uh, Julie's friend, yeah. and then and then when she asks, it was really kind of a douche. So Tommy's not, you know, we're, we're you're you're clearly not supposed to be rooting for Tommy. Plus, he looks like Will Forte, Will which Forte. just makes things confusing. Right. It's just I was confused the entire thing. Um, they get back together. He uh, immediately wolfs down her hamburger, and uh, she looks off in the distance, knowing that she really hasn't made the right choice. I guess. So then she has to break up with Randy. Oh my! Now this is this is really. In a lot of ways, a hilarious scene. It's supposed to be heartbreaking. He goes to her door late at night to tell her he loves her, and she breaks it off with him. And and it is a very, I would say, typical teenage girl way. Doesn't tell him why. Just tearfully slams the door in his face, and he then goes into a, ca- a cage rage. A cage rage. Absolutely. A cage. And maybe rage. we'll play a clip right here because that's just it's it's great it is it is it's not again you know we're, it's early cage it's it's early cage but you can sense you can sense the pain and anguish in his in his zero to 100 uh rage i know what it is i know what it is i know what this is it's your fucking friends right shit julie i mean what is this is between you and me not between the rest of the fucking world so fuck off friends well fuck you fuck off for sure like totally the fucking <laughs> yes it's it's fantastic um he he leaves he does what Nicolas cage does and gets drunk and uh goes back to the bar he runs into an old girlfriend they make out in the bathroom. Maybe more. We don't know. We see boobs again. Yeah, I think contractually they're the last boobs of the the boob showing experiment. Yes. Yeah. I believe uh, or so. Obligation. And um, he he he's done with that. He feels horrible. He <laughs> he staggers out of the club and picks a fight with a kind of racist uh, depiction of a Mexican gang, I would say. Yeah. And yeah. then goes into the alley and starts puking all over himself. What proceeds from there is what I think is is a hilarious... Right. You know, not exactly a montage, but but sort of. Sort of a, a series of scenes of, of Randy trying desperately to get Julie back. Right. And, and Basically the, stalking her, obviously. He is. He's, well, yeah, that's what you do to get a girl back. You stalk her. Sure. Okay. And, and, Write and this down, guys. What better way to do that than to jump into a car that she has just gotten into out of nowhere? Right. Jump into a car. Um, what else does I he do? I wrote this down. He puts pictures of himself in her school books. And they're the um, the photo booth pictures, right? Like the goofy ones, the goofy like photo the booth pictures. 
in all of your school textbooks, we're kind of sitting here going, how did he... Right. Well, Did he break into her house to put the Even more so, he's books? taking tickets at the movie they're going into later on. Yeah, he he's fi- uh, he serving fi- them hot dogs yeah. at, the, at the at the car hop. He finds out <laughs> he finds out where they're going to be eating and then arranges right. with costume. Yes, exactly, with costume and looks, funny accent. And fu- he looks like the Swedish chef. Yes, basically. He <laughs> spits gum on Tommy. He, yeah, he does. He never recognizes him by the way. No. Tommy never does, but no. Julie always does. And and you know what? She loves it. She does. She smiles when she finds the pictures and she laughs at uh, at his zany cage character. His uh, his his oh. final try here was sleeping on her front lawn, kind of a la say anything, but uh, she wasn't having it. So it it is. It's 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 a it's a funny. Another sort of, I'd say, opportunity to really have Nicolas Cage's creative talent showcased. Yeah, and and he really does shine in these scenes. Just, but it's it's great. It is. It's it's priceless. Priceless uh, Cage. Fred finally comes up with the idea: we're going to the prom, and we're going to the prom. The idea really doesn't get fleshed out any more than that, from what I can tell. No. Julian and Tommy are going to be crowned king and queen, kind of out of nowhere, and. Randy confronts Tommy in the back and just as they're about to walk out just on as they're stage. about to walk out on stage and what punches him in the face yeah I yeah. think so and then Tommy busts out some pretty some wicked um, kick-ass karate moves. karate moves yes and you kind of expect Tommy to win you kind of expect uh, Randy to get his ass kicked but it somehow does not happen. he prevails grabs Julie runs down the stage and and now this is what I the love crowd about looking on. the crowd's watching and this is what I love about these old 80s movies is that every time there's a prom scene there's always a big table of snacks and Julie ends up throwing a platter of guacamole at Tommy well it is southern california as she's making her escape with Randy so I just had to put that in there. It's funny. It's right. funny and that it's very uh, green guacamole. It's very green. Apparently, guacamole at prom. Right. Go figure. So yeah, they run out and they run into the limo and uh, the limo that Tommy had rented. The limo that Tommy had rented and yes. the, the driver says, you know, hey, are you, we t- still going to the Sheridan and and Dopey Cage with the goofiest. Can I do it? Grin on his face says. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta love him. You you do, and and I'd say my only criticism is at this point in the movie you're so excited about their relationship, and she ran out, she made the right choice. You kind of want to see him kiss again, and you don't. They oh, and I and I I think I disagree with you on this because I kind of like that they didn't. I kind of like that they left that tension that you were talking about earlier in the bathroom. Uh, I I think they were both there. They were both happy. They were both in love and heading toward the hotel and their happy ending and you kind of filled in the blanks for the way that the night we go i have to say this final shot looks exactly out of the graduate yes it really does there's less had to be intentional there's less a sense of of um oh shit what do we do now and and much more a happy ending but i would agree it's it's the same the same shot as they Head off in their limo past the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Right. We will come back and give our ratings in just a minute, but we will leave you with a song from Josie Cotton and the Party Crashers, the band that played at the junior prom at Valley High. Uh, this is one of the most happy homophobic songs I've ever heard. It's called Johnny, Are You Queer? Are you queer? 
right, that was Josie Cotton and the Party Crashers with Johnny Are You Queer, which as Nate pointed out earlier in the broadcast, was one of the stranger songs on the Valley Girl soundtrack. Let me ask, do you think Johnny was? That's an entirely different podcast. (laughs) Okay. So let's go ahead and give this film our ratings. And just so we can recap what that looks like for you listeners, we'll be rating the film in three categories. The film as entertainment, this film as art, and Nicolas Cage's actual performance. So we've got our categories, and we're rating it on a scale of zero to four. So, Nate. As entertainment, I give this movie a 2.5. Whoa. Out of four. Shocker. I was, I was entertained. It was a good movie, um, but it was a little slow, and I cannot give a movie a three with a 20 minutes of plot that could be literally taken out. I thought it was very good. It was a little above average, but it was not a three or a four for me. I'm going to have to agree with you. I am also going with a 2.5. I, I am tempted I am tempted to go higher, but I, I think... For what it was, it was well done. It was certainly fun to watch. You definitely get sucked into the love story, and it's a great story. But I, I would have to agree there. There are definitely pieces of it here that do not warrant a three. It's just, it's a little slow. It's a for little. Me. It's a little slow. Right. Okay. What about this film as a work of art? I'm gonna have to go two. Ooh, I go too as well. We do not compare notes on our ratings, folks. I feel like the aim of this movie was not initially to be a work of art, but just to be a fun movie and to be a box office hit with boobs, as the uh, studio obviously intended. But, you know, looking back at it now, I think it is a, it is an artistic statement. It does have some artistic merit in that it really does capture mall life. About 10 minutes in, I was about to give this movie a one on the artistic scale. But there is some real direction here. There is some real story crafting. And so I will I will give it um, I will give it a two. I will give it a middle of the road. It is aspiring for something a little higher than just a normal teenage sex comedy. Yes, I would agree. Alright, our final category, Nick Cage's actual performance as Randy Nate. Okay. I'm giving Nick Cage a and this is hard, a two point five. Whoa. Right. Okay. Uh, and I'll say this. Uh, you know, a four is off the charts. A three is above average cage. I would say this is slightly above average performance. We saw shades of what he's going to be bringing to the table over the years and decades to come. But it was just shades. For half the movie, he was a fill-in-the-blank, fill in lovable, dopey, teenage guy and for the other half he showed signs of cage's kind of brilliance and so i will give it a 2.5 on cage's performance okay now i think that what you're saying lovable dopey teenage guy is an attribute of his ability to act as this character i think you know you know to some extent what he has done in, in in future films and knowing that this is these are his roots you really do see a lot of great aspects of those moments of his acting career that are i would call pure where he is really committing himself throwing himself into a, a decent role or a very good role. You see that here. You see that in Randy. He is endearing. He is lovable. You know, he is 
the underdog that you want to win at all costs. And he's funny. He makes it a real character. It's it's not just a caricature. I think it, you're right. I think there's really moments not. of what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I it's not the entire movie. I say I'd say it's most for me it was most of that movie. I could buy his role eighty five percent of the time. So what do you what do you rank him? I rank him as a three. A three. Okay. I rank so, him as a three. I uh, think that this is an excellent start to his career. You can see that he is throwing himself into this role. So we, uh, when the show is over, we will tally our results and post them on the website. Uh, currently, this movie would be our number one Nicolas Cage ranked movie. We're going to add up all of our scores together, and we're going to keep a running total of um, what mathematically would be our favorite Nicolas Cage movies in order. And so as we go through... Um, watching different movies. We're going to add them to the list, and hopefully in a year we'll have the definitive list of what is the best Nicolas Cage movies from top to bottom. All right. In addition to ratings, let's do a, a couple of, of running totals. Okay, um, so let's let's do this real quick, Britt. Uh, was uh, Nicolas Cage drunk or high in this movie? Yes. Okay. Did he have, at any point, crazy hair? I would say no. I would say no as well. I would say he had culture-appropriate hair. Does he have or change into a crazy voice? Yes, he does. Okay, does he burst into cage rage? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Does he punch or get punched? Yes, he does. And does he run with a flashlight at any point in this movie? Uh, no, he doesn't. Okay, this is not a run-with-a-flashlight kind of movie. All right, folks, that was uh, our first official Cagecast review of Valley Girl. If you have seen Valley Girl, um, have any feedback or thoughts that you'd like to share with us, please send them to us. You can email feedback at cagecast.com and we'll try to read as many responses as we can on the air. Um, Coming up on our next podcast, uh, we are reviewing 1984's Racing with the Moon, starring Sean Penn, Elizabeth McGovern, and of course, Nicolas Cage. Um, send us feedback too. Have you seen Racing with the Moon? What do you remember about the film? And of course, in particular, what do you remember about Nicolas Cage in the movie? All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Yes, thank you, everybody. Uh, I just want to say music from this show comes from the Valley Girl soundtrack, and our theme song comes from Johnny Cash. Until next week, we will leave you with Modern English's I Melt With You. Have a good one. Bye, everybody. Never comprehending the race I'd long gone by I stop the world in ends with you You've seen the difference and it's getting better Conversation girls. He's that guy from Hollywood. I mean, like, he came back for Stacy and me and took us back over the hill. I mean, it was super time. I mean, like, a party was super enough. Man, he's just like tripendicular, you know? Who isn't he, Stacy? Die, Richmond. Straight down. You can't go through there. Now stop, stop, stop.